The 4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. 2 o'clock football frenzy. Thank you. 2 o'clock football frenzy. John Von Tobel, Cofield, Ari's back in our Finley Toyota studios. We're hanging out at Nova Home Loans. Dustin DeHart and company, nice enough to host us here. You want to give him a call? No reason not to. Get an assessment of your uh, situation right now, whether you're renting or you own 877-700-NOVA. So this is good. College football is starting to roll out with spring practices. We're going to get to an update on Alabama Pro Day because uh, John was very fired up. I think it's your favorite narrative going into the draft, and it's one of my favorites as well. We'll talk about Mac Jones in limited video that we have throwing the ball. But no, uh, I know everything about him now. UNLV is uh, not quite Alabama. That goes without saying, right? They're, uh, they're going into spring practice. A lot of questions to answer. We're going to have to see if some of the new depth they brought into the program in terms of uh, true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, transfers are going to be ready to go in the spring and then most importantly in the fall. But, yeah, practice started. We're rolling out there. You got uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So I'm looking forward to the season. I'm looking forward to see some of the position battles at least, well, I think behind the scenes get settled or set a little closer to being settled. We're not going to find out. Marcus Arroyo is going to keep a lot of this stuff close to the vest, and we'll see what happens at quarterback. I think they've got. I think they had two guys on the roster. I like Gillum too, but uh, you know Max wasn't the most reliable thrower of the ball, but he turned into freaking Steve Young running at times. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> it, it was. I mean, he right. it was nuts. Uh, his mobility, and he needed it because the offensive line was down. But that's another big question: What's the offensive line going to look like? Because they had a bunch of vets who could have come back, who had played pretty well the previous years, two years, and then last year. It just did not work as a unit, so we'll see what happens on the offensive line. And most important, uh, we'll see what they have on defense. They've got a lot of imports for the back end, and they try to add a lot of size to the the front four and the front seven in general. And um, they have a lot of candidates to be rush ends, and that's actually two of their best guys coming back are both on the outside. Well, that's my question for you. Plant and uh, Winman had a really good year last year, you know, at, at times in terms of sacks and, you know, forced pressure. I, like out of all of the years that I remember, like uh, either covering it for you or for ESPN 1100, uh, or just watching as a fan growing up out here, to me on the surface, this is like their best core of pass rushers that I can remember in a while. Like just in terms of individual talents. Oh, I think in terms of size, like they yeah. looked the part. And yeah, from production standpoint, last year they were, those two ends were good. Yep. That, and I mean that was one of the favorite plant. I like love watching that kid play. Well, I mean when you he. He was at TCU, right? Yeah. Right, and I don't, I don't think he was going to fail at TCU. He wanted to come home, and you look at him, and you know, because it's one of the issues we've seen over the years with UNLV. They they built the offensive line to a point where you know they kind of they look the part, right? They've got the guys who are six three to six six and two ninety to three fifteen, and you know, back in the Bobby Houck days and when Sanchez first took over, like they didn't have that; they were small. Now the next step is you got to get fast, good sized ends, and the interior. While there is the guy here and there who was 5'11", 305, who can mm-hmm. play, it's a little bit small. And then beyond that, they, they would have guys who were 260 pounds trying to play inside. You know, Mountain West has some big linemen. So they're trying to build it. We'll see what comes out here in the spring, but uh, we'll, we're going to get over to practice uh, on a lot of these days and get some interviews and get some updates. So we're fired up about that. You and I are in on Mac Jones, but you know what? And I what, by in on, I mean, I think he's going to slip. Yeah. I, I don't think the guy's a first-round pick. So but now all of a sudden, well, we're in on being out. We're in on the, the, well, we're in on the narrative that he's 
I'm not even gonna say overrated. I feel like it's a it's a a product of hype. It's the phony storylines that get hyped up before the draft. And every year there's a couple, there's at least like three guys, right? Top 15 pick guaranteed. This quarterback is going in the first round. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, Jake Fromm slipped all the way back there? That'll happen. I thought he was like an early second round pick. Right? That happens every year with especially the name quarterbacks in college. Mac Jones is a name. Drew Lock. Drew Lock, right? No. Mac Jones is really going to be the number three pick in the draft. No. What did you see in the very limited video? I feel like people <laughs> cherry picked the worst video. I, and you love the Bel- you love Belichick watching. So there's a video of uh, Mac Jones completely overthrowing his receiver uh, on a uh, a go route, and the camera immediately cuts to Bill Belichick, who disgustedly shakes his head as he stands with Josh McDaniels and they evaluate Mac Jones. Uh, the other, of course, is uh, another overthrow, and it cuts to Kyle Shanahan who just has this blank look on his face with, as somebody pointed out, flashbacks of Jimmy Garoppolo overthrowing guys in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and he's like, oh, good God. Like, this is what we're doing. Or huh? just pull, he pulls down the mask. He's like, why do we trade to three? Right. Well, we know why they traded to three. Just, you just see. For him? They traded to three to go get Justin Fields. You think it's Justin Fields? Yes. Or, or Lance. One of the two. Trey Lance. Or, or Trey Lance, which could make sense if you're keeping Jimmy G around for another year. And the notion is... Garoppolo could stay around unless they're blown away by an offer, right? Um, that Jimmy G would be the placeholder for one more year if you take Lance, who may be the biggest of the, you know, in terms of projects, he may be the the biggest project, may not be able to play the first year. Right, but highest ceiling, potentially, out of all of them. But I will ask you this, um, out of all of his years in the league, what's one of Kyle Shanahan's, like, best years as a coordinator? It's when RG3 was his quarterback. Right, a big-armed mobile guy uh, who was great on a lot of those rollouts and waggles and naked boots that run that zone offense. A guy like that would fit perfectly, and I think Justin Fields is that guy. I, I think. Can, can you imagine that guy? So you think Justin Fields is that guy? Yeah. Can you imagine all the different, as a lot of people will call it, sort of football porn run plays that guy has in his arsenal and the way they execute it? Right, so much movement, and you can see defenses are like, all right, where the hell's the ball? Right. Can you imagine if he can, he actually has a quarterback who can move the pocket, or yeah, and a quarterback who just ran a four 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 at his pro day? Today? He's a great. He's I'm going to use you know, the normal part of the lines. He is a great athlete, but watching him play college football against inferior opponents, it really was it was crazy watching college athletes try to tackle Justin Fields. Right, and he's one of those guys. Like he, we say this all the time. He may not look like he runs a four four, but on the field, you're like, I, I can't catch him. We're like, why is he running away from that defender? Why can't they catch up? Yep. And a lot is going to be made that Shanahan and Lynch showed up at Mac Jones Pro Day today. But as it's been pointed out in many articles and why you can just deduce, they've seen Justin Fields throw live, right? They have, I think, enough on him that they would feel comfortable sending scouts to his Pro Day to look for anything else that they potentially missed, as opposed to a guy in Mac Jones who they probably haven't scouted yet because they knew that they were going to trade up to number three and that they weren't going to be in position to draft him because that's way too high to draft Mac Jones. Game proposals for the 17th game. Well, it's beyond a proposal now. This is it. Say, yeah. Ready? Reality. Are you mad if you're one of the top teams and you get jobbed into an extra tough game? Yeah. Right? Packers Chiefs. Right. I cannot know. Like, wait, what? Packers Chiefs on the road, right? Packers <laughs> at Chiefs. Yeah. Tough one, right? Are you starting to get it in your head about the win totals now? Kind of. I'm trying. It's like 10 and 7. How how much, with an with a odd number of games, how much harder is it for the books to now set numbers? 
I, mean, I don't think it would be. Hey, Saints are eight and a half. All right, now they have an extra game. Oh, crap. Nine? Like, are we going to have a lot more whole numbers? Potentially, or you just see more altered juice as opposed to, right, minus one. Oh, the altered juice is a nightmare. Right, so like eight and a half shaded to the over, potentially. It, might, it racks more. my brain. Too complicated. 8.75. How about that as a win total? It's not going to work. Uh, games including Bears, Raiders, Vikings, Chargers, Seahawks, Steelers. That could be a big one. Rams, Ravens. It's a pretty sexy matchup. Seahawks, Steelers, Rams, Ravens. Little travel. Yeah. Extra trip. Rams, Ravens, long one. Especially if you're playing like a, you're more than likely, I would assume, since the schedule set, you're playing a divisional game the week before. Cardinals, Browns. Who's more underwhelming based on expectations this year? Who has the, the bigger fall from grace? Because I think there's going to be high expectations for both. I would say Arizona. Why? Because I actually think that uh, the Cleveland Browns are well-coached, and actually Stefanski's actually a pretty good coach. Panthers-Texans as Deshaun Watson comes back into Houston to beat his old team. Right. Uh, is right Watson, now, that's very much up in the air. As you say, is he in the NFL? How about your Colts? You didn't get an easy one. Who is Home it? against the Bucks. Stop. What do you stop? Old man Tom Brady. Super Bowl champion. Got lucky. Can you defend Gronk? Uh, can Tom Brady last that long? Uh, we're going to do this a whole old, other year again. Old man. One of these years, you <laughs> and Adam and Max, Keller, and Max Kellerman are going to be right. TB12 will have his downfall. The three games leading up to the Super Bowl, he threw about 50% completion, <laughs> and he was not good. So, whatever. Cowboys, Patriots. Three touchdowns. Who are you going to root for? Neither. Uh, yeah. Well, no, you're a Patriots fan all of a sudden, I thought. You're rooting for them. Or no, it was Tom Brady. It was Tom Brady that was the feel-good yeah, I'm like, what, what's going to wait? Did I miss some yeah. bull crap I threw? No, I was, I'm rooting against the Patriots. I, I am actually I am fascinated to see what Belichick does with all these acquisitions, especially since most of New England is against him now, and they're right. like, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. All of a sudden. And I, I, I really like Cam Newton. I don't understand why they brought him back. Of course, five minutes ago, I was pitching – Chicago to get Cam Newton because that's how bad I think I'm not. I can't do it anymore with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. I just I can't. Just I can't show up to his house. I can't do it. NBA's on the way. Man, the rich get richer. How many great players are the Nets and the Lakers going to collect? Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the four o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune up today by calling 577-2600. the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. Written everything today. Written everything today. 17th game now for everyone in the NFL. That's the breaking news of the day. It was breaking yesterday, but it was ratified today. It also means the Super Bowl will be on February 13th, which uh, Dustin Hart was in earlier and was speculating. I don't know why I had the brain fart. because uh, Well, I know I had the brain fart. He was speculating that, uh, oh, later in February, President's Day, right after, we get a Super Bowl Monday. But what does February 13th turn into eventually? February 14th. Oh, right. It's going to be, yeah, that's what, what I thought. And yeah. what's February 14th? Valentine's Day. Yeah. You're but most guys were like, what? What day? It's blocked out, Valentine's. Like, I don't want to hear anything about, about V-Day. Jeff Dickerson did a really good, he's an expert from Chicago, covers the Bears, ESPN National Radio and ESPN 1000. He did a, like a really good job of like how this is going to work out. I don't think it's going to work out. I don't think it's going to work out for males. 
after the Super Bowl and drinking all day, or maybe you don't drink, but whatever, partying all day, eating to you know, unheard of gluttonous levels, you're going to get off the deck the next day and go do a big Valentine's Day? And now Sunday's out. Sunday is out. Frankly, Saturday needs to be out. I need Saturday to prep for big game Sunday. So if I'm not in the mood to go on Monday out for Valentine's Day, now we got a problem. Do you think all the SOs around town in Vegas are going to be like, previous Friday Valentine's Day is acceptable? I don't think so. I think it's very presumptive of you to assume that it's all, all the female SOs. Good point. They'll be very upset Good about point. this. Your partners. Um, your partners. And you could love Valentine's Day more than your partner. But if you're a football person, Valentine's Day and the Super Bowl don't belong anywhere near each other. No, but I also feel like, I don't know, and I'm just basing this off of my own relationship, Valentine's Day is like a very overblown holiday. Like, do people really take it that seriously anymore? I think you're... Like, me and my wife, we had, like, a Valentine's Day dinner, like, the previous, like the week following. Yeah. But you're not even holiday people. You're, 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 your Christmas last year was just, it was bizarre. What are you talking about? I love Christmas. It's incredible. No, but I don't Christmas think you gave day. each other gifts. It no, was we like, did. Like, two weeks later. Yeah, we went shopping and allowed each other to pick our gift out. No we still element, got each no other. No element of surprise. Well, we still got each other small you know things. But the Christmas, Christmas for me, and you're right, I am branding women as, like, like, all of them love Valentine's Day. I know they all don't. But the traditional role of the female is that they like Valentine's Day more than the guys. Christmas Day, Christmas Day is my Valentine's Day. Basically. The traditional patriarchal role, maybe. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Speak on it, right? Yeah. Right. I can't change. This is the way I was brought up. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's changing. I can't adjust. I mean, I think it benefits to have a day off afterwards. I, I really that 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 take, which I wrote before the show because I write them all out. That Super Bowl, well, no, we actually, we didn't even come up with this until the middle of the show. That Super Bowl back-to-back in a belly-to-belly with Valentine's Day, take, that was very old school. I apologize. Please don't drag me and put out the audio. Valentine's Day is also just like the worst holiday. Like, it just sucks. It's a really boring holiday. I don't know about you, Steve, but I'm in a healthy relationship where I express my love every day. I don't need a day. And it's also such a commercial. I don't know about you. Yeah. It, it's incredibly it's commercialized. commercialized. That's, all, that's all. That's all holidays. But it's what they're commercialized for. Valentine's Day is commercialized. We. It feels like uh, it's a lot of the guy's responsibility. Almost every other holiday that's not like a really traditional holiday. Now I'm going to get in trouble with the Cinco de Mayo crowd. Uh, but it feels like every other holiday is just we just it's just to go out and drink. So that's commercialized. But we like what's being commercialized: beer, tequila. I mean, do we go, do I go with uh, if we really want to dive into do this? I, do I steal? Do, do I culturally appropriate chips and salsa? Mm-hmm. Uh oh, salsa. I'm getting looks from both sides. Oh, well, What's really, on here? it's actually it's a much deeper conversation to to, to discuss. We don't have that time today for deep all the uh, all the cultural holidays that we celebrate in America are all just about drinking. That is, that is kind of sad. <laughs> What well, as an here. Irishman, yeah. I get your I get your point, Mexican American guy. Thanks. Half. I'm like thirty percent Irish, so my grandmother was from Durango, Mexico. Nice. Okay. My wife and her family are from Cotija. Andre Drummond. I don't know if he's from Cotija. It has nothing to do with this conversation. <laughs> uh, the more I've thought about it, I love this pickup by the Lakers. I am. 
I am anti big man in basketball, but from this standpoint, I'm anti two big men. But if you give me a seven footer and you can tell me like, does Andre Drummond rate like crap having to go out to the perimeter and defend pick and rolls? Because for what he does, which is, you know, garbage buckets, lots of rebounds, lots of activity around the rim. I think he's perfect for the Lakers because it'll allow the Lakers to do some of the stuff they did last year, but with a much better player. Tell me when to stop here. Am I off on anything? Am well, I, mean, I and saying Drummond's better than Deho or, you know, Bumass McGee or Dwight Howard? Is there an issue there? I, I love I love, at least on the surface, having a true big guy who can defend, who can rim protect who can also clean up messes with rebounding so that I can play four in. Check that. Four out, one in. And LeBron can be one of my guys who's out most of the time, even though he's 6'9", 240. So I would say the rebounding is absolutely accurate. At least from the statistical standpoint, he checks all the boxes in rebounding, right? Like 85th percentile or higher each of the last few years. Uh, actually, every year of his career in terms of offensive rebounding and defensive rebounding, right? Uh, really solid in that regard. For the audience, I hate talking basketball with some of the guys on our airwaves. Because of the analytics, because I always worry, like, hey, this guy is a you know a thirteen point nine career you know rebounds per game, and he's had years where he's averaged like seventeen, and then you guys come over the top, and you're like, yeah, ninety four percent of his rebounds are uncontested, it means nothing. Right. All right, there goes that stat. Now, whatever what, what we knew about basketball, and you know, collecting the rebounds, it's all out the window now. This uh, number says so. I will say that Andre Drummond, the reputation that he has as a finisher, is very much overblown. Uh, his first two years, he shot 67% at the rim. Um, okay, solid for a center. But ever since then, he has not shot higher than 64% at the rim, which is pretty poor for a center who is seven feet tall. LeBron can teach him. Uh, potentially. Like the old dog do tricks, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and then if you look at some of the other numbers with him on the floor, uh, every year but three, his team's defensive uh, shooting percentage at the rim has actually gotten worse with him on the floor. So, so look, I think he's been, he's been on – some really bad teams. Uh, that is true, but when you go on the floor and yeah. your shooting percentage at the rim increases by 5.3%, that's not really a good thing that's for a not, center. It's not right? a sign of the people around you? Uh, right. The piston. Uh, one of his years with the Pistons, uh, rim percentage defensively went up by 3%, 3.8%, then 3.9% for three years. So, like, he's a solid player. I think the biggest point that you made is go back to last year, Deho and JaVale McGee, and I think JaVale McGee gets a relatively bad rap. Is actually statistically a relatively solid defensive center. Um they're really good at offensive boards, miss shots, bricks, clean them up, put them back. Andre Drummond can do that. That's all you really need at your center if you're the Los Angeles Lakers. It's why it works so well with Dwight Howard and Joe McGee last year. So if he just does that, he's everything that they need him to be. Dwight, like Marcus All, and actually, Steve, I wrote about this in our NBA guide at the beginning of the year. At VSIN. At VSIN. We don't right. have an NBA guide here at ESPN Las uh, Vegas. That's a good true. That's very true. Um, for a certain price, you can. When it comes, <laughs> <laughs> we gotta we gotta get, get you a uh, sit down with the bosses. But but I wrote Use about my it. stuff for this much a month. Well, one of the things I wrote about with Gasol, and it's kind of panned out, and why they don't really like him. He's actually not that really good of an offensive rebounder or rebounder overall for a big. And so I I, I never I never thought that swap made right. sense. And so like that's why it doesn't really work out now. So this this generally I think to your point. I would agree that it's a general positive. And they're not going to ask Andre Drummond to be like a floor runner and a finisher and a pick and roll and things like that. He's just there to clean it up. How do they keep up with the Nets, who just collected two great players and Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge? Uh, two great bigs. I don't know. Oh, well, stop that. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. Well, you love the Nets. Uh, I they're do. also not great anymore. But I guess what Blake Griffin like well, snapped yesterday because Blake Griffin went from being a bum to now I guess he's hearing that the Nets are the rich getting richer. 
Correct. So Blake Griffin, who, uh, you know, all you hear about over the weekend because the Nets go and get Blake Griffin a couple weeks ago. They get Lamarcus Aldridge over the weekend. He told Brian Lewis of the New York Post, uh, quote, it's kind of funny to me because the last couple of years, all I've heard is how bad I am. He's talking with this team and everybody's like, that's not fair. People say whatever they want. I don't put a whole lot of value to other people's opinions. He's right. LaMarcus Aldridge statistically has not been a good player for two years now. Blake Griffin, his last two years, has been a shell of himself because of injuries and has not been an effective player. And all you heard about when they were on their individual teams is how bad they were. But their names, their all-stars, which I don't know why we use this as a form of measurement of greatness when you can vote on it and the ridiculous players. Like Kobe made it one year when he wasn't even playing. I think he was voted as an all-star. It was insane. Like that's not a measure of greatness. And yet when they both sign with the, the Nets, it's like, super team, here we go. Thought KD wanted to do it on his own. He needs all the help he can get. Oh, it's no. like, I hope they're not doing that. Right. It is. Please, it's, please, if you're doing that, go back in basketball history and watch how many times there were ring chasers who were 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, who joined teams at the end of their career and helped the benches by, you know, bench that by playing 15 minutes a game. And I don't remember people back then saying, you know, Bill Walton added to the Celtics. I mean, it's unbelievable for Larry Bird. <laughs> Get that mortgage tuned up right now. 877-700-NOVA is the number to call at Nova Home Loans. Chopping it up on a Tuesday. It's Cofield and Company at the Nova Home Loan Studios. 364-1100-364-1100. Call 11 right now. You get a chance to... Uh... Get in on our Porta Subs giveaway. You more than get in, you win. Caller 11, you get a two-foot classic sub from Porta Subs. 24 inches of premium meats and cheeses. I got to get my slicer out. Low on meats. I was throwing some meat today. Uh, but Porta Subs does it the right way, not the Cofield way. 24 inches of premium meats and cheeses and all the goodies piled high on your favorite fresh baked bread. It's a slam dunk or a touchdown. Or a game winner in hockey. However you want to go. Uh, order your Porta Subs sub now for your watch party for i don't know what we can get away with the basketball games next week how about that caller 11 364 thank you to porta subs we got a lucky winner coming up caller 11 364 miles simmons pro football talk i'm sure has been scouring over the uh, videos of mac jones throwing today miles how are you buddy i'm doing well man and uh yes definitely been looking at those throws looking at justin Fields' throws Definitely an interesting time here if you need a quarterback in the NFL in the draft. Why did Kyle Shanahan basically tell the entire NFL today he thinks Justin Fields stinks? He passed on his workout and went to watch Mac Jones. <laughs> you know what's funny? I, somebody pointed this out the other day that uh, the last time the 49ers had a pick this high was when they selected Nick Bosa, and it just so happened that they didn't actually go with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch to Ohio State to see Nick Bosa, they actually sent um, their assistant general manager, whose name is escaping me because I don't have it in front of me, and then they ended up picking Nick Bosa. And that's the same person that they sent today to go watch Justin Fields. Mm. So, uh, it, yeah, exactly. Things that make you go, hmm, it might not actually be Mac Jones. It could be Justin Fields. I, I just tend to think that when you make a decision like this to go up to number three overall and you're, you really tell everybody yesterday, as John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan did in their press conference, that they're picking a QB. They know exactly who they want, and they don't necessarily need to do much smoke screening at this point because they already have the number three pick. I think it's a foregone conclusion that Lawrence is going to be one, and it's becoming pretty close to one uh, that Zach Wilson is going to be gone at two. So, 
if they want Mac Jones at three, then they don't need to do anything about it. You know, they don't need to shadow Fox or whatever. That's not even the term for that. You know what I mean? It, it, you, don't, you don't have to pretend anymore. You can just go out and do whatever it is that you want. Well, Miles, it also helps uh, that Mac Jones stinks. That's probably the other part of that. The, the fact that he can't throw the ball downfield. Uh, and I know this because I saw two throws and I realize now that Mac Jones is probably a third round pick, right? Well, listen, I, it's interesting because he's played with such good receivers throughout his time there um, at, at Alabama that it just helps cover up a lot of stuff. I mean, you maybe could say the same thing about Tua Tagovailoa, right? I mean, throwing to guys like Jerry Judy, like Devontae Smith, like uh, Henry Ruggs, who now is, of course, in Las Vegas. Uh, th- those kinds of guys can help cover up a lot. So I don't know if we really know how good or uh, not good Matt Jones is. I think that a lot will depend on where he goes in the NFL, what offensive system he's in in the NFL. Look, it, Kyle Shanahan made Brian Hoyer look almost like a pro bowler in 2014 with the Cleveland Browns. So that offensive system is extremely quarterback friendly. That's something that Matt Jones even pointed out in his press conference yesterday. So if he goes to San Francisco, that's probably as good of a situation for a rookie quarterback as it would be for any in the entire league. And whether or not that means that Mac Jones is going to stink in the NFL, he's going to have a lot higher ceiling, I think, playing in that system in San Francisco with Shanahan. Is it a fair comp to, we were talking about this earlier, and I thought that one of the ways to maximize Kyle Shanahan's offense, which you said is uh, very quarterback friendly, but my recollection, Miles, when it was at its peak, uh, was when they had a relatively big-armed and extremely mobile quarterback to use some of those bootlegs and those waggles as another weapon in RG3. I feel like Justin Fields is the perfect fit for them. He could be, certainly, yeah. And and I think that the way that Justin Fields can move and the way that you know, he showed that he can run when he was at Ohio State, but also can stand in the pocket and fire down the field. That's something that it, it's funny. You know, there were almost those, uh, those things on Twitter, and we all do this because we're all victims of the moment, when in uh, the college football playoff, Fields kept making throws, kept making good decisions, kept, uh, you know, staying in the game despite having some clear and obvious discomfort and pain in what looked like his ribs. And it's like, man, you know, how close is that gap or how wide is that gap, I guess I should say, between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields? And since then, it's just become, well, yeah, you know, Zach Wilson, yeah, he's the second overall pick for sure. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I watched all that much Zach Wilson uh, tape, you know, during the college football season. But as I've gone back and I've watched highlights, I understand the kinds of things that people are seeing in Zach Wilson. But I also think that there's a lot to Justin Fields where it's almost like he's getting a little bit underrated right now. And I think so much is going to depend on where he ends up in the system, you know, what kind of coaching he's going to get, what kind of weapons are around him. But I don't know that between Mac Jones and Justin Fields, there's all that much of a gap. And, you know, if you want to say you like Mac Jones because of ABC, well, you could say you like Justin Fields because of DEF. And if you're a good coach, you might be able to get the best out of both of those kinds of guys. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk, is on Cofield and Company. Uh, you covered the Raiders for a short time here in Vegas. Uh, you know about the organization. Did you ever think that Colton Miller would get to the level where uh, the dude just signed an extension, making 18 mil a year on this deal? So the Raiders are very much in on Colton Miller. 
you know, I don't know if I would have done it as soon as they just did it. Um, but I, you know, I, I guess this is one of those things where uh, I, I just kind of say, like in life, some things are just not for me to understand. I just like it's not really for me to understand why they would sign Andre James to an extension and give him six million guaranteed when he's not only you know already under contract right now, but he's scheduled to be a restricted free agent next season. So you also haven't seen him play more than one game as a starting center. I don't necessarily understand that. I understand more why you would say, all right, let's give Colton Miller an extension right away because the only thing that's going to happen is either he doesn't play very well or he plays as well as we think he's going to continue to play and his market value is only going to go up. And at least you have two years of solid starting experience from Colton Miller and not just one game where you're doing that extension, right? I mean, the rookie year from Colton Miller was not great. He was hurt. You know, he had a lot of injuries during um, that year that he fought through. But I think in 2019, he had a much better season that I watched all those games of. And then in 2020, he, I think, continued on that same trajectory where he was a reliable left tackle. And those are kind of hard to find. So if you're Derek Carr, probably you're saying, all right, you know, you did not uh, keep Rodney Hudson, you know, got rid of Trent Brown as well. Gabe Jackson also gone. But somebody who has become reliable and protects my blind side and Colton Miller, you, you re-sign that guy, you send that guy. That probably makes you feel a little bit better as a QB. Uh, last two minutes here with Miles Simmons from uh, Pro Football Talk. Niners are going to draft who? Pick the guy, and then uh, is Jimmy G around or does he get traded? Who's going to step up and actually trade something for Jimmy G? So the interesting thing about Jimmy Garoppolo is that, A, he has a no-trade clause, but those things can be waived, especially because all it means is he just gets to say, no, I don't really want to go there. I want to go here. But if you're a quarterback, you're not going to go to a situation where you don't really want to go to anyway, which is part of why you know the Eagles only had one real viable option for trading Carson Wentz, and that was Indianapolis. It's not like Carson Wentz had a no-trade clause, but if you're the Chicago Bears and you know that Carson Wentz doesn't really want to be there, why would you trade for that guy? You wouldn't do it. So from that standpoint, Jimmy Garoppolo could go to some place um, like New England. That's the first place that comes to mind for me. Maybe Chicago would want to get involved there. He did go to Eastern Illinois, so there's some connection there. I I just feel like there's probably not a good chance that Jimmy Garoppolo is under contract by week one for the San Francisco 49ers because that is when his salary would become guaranteed. He's scheduled to make $25 million this season, and to cut him would cost three, uh, less than $3 million in dead cap for the 49ers. So I just don't see him being on that roster when he has not played as much as anybody would want their starting quarterback to play in the last three years. And that availability factor goes into why the Niners decided, yes, we're going to make the trade and we're going to go get somebody that I think is going to be Mac Jones at number three overall. Miles, you're the man. We appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much. Of course, gentlemen. Have a good week. There he is, Miles Simmons. Pro Football Talk used to be with the RJ. was covering the Raiders before that, the Rams, the Panthers as well. But now he's uh, working with the, the great Mike Florio over at Pro Football Talk. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. 
Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Sam Penny out of it. Nothing. Fox Sports FS1. What's up, Sam? I lost every Sweet 16 game, I bet. No. Yeah, 0-3, man. Now, this is this kind of tells you how I roll, though. And JVT knows this, too. You know, when I go cold, I step away from the table because I have to. Like, I have to recalibrate. Really good opening weekend. I make 9-3-1. But I had three games on Saturday. They all lost. I bet on Villanova, who melted against Baylor. I had Arkansas. They had no shot against Oral Roberts to cover the 11. And then I was Mr. Syracuse for... Three games in a row. It was good for the first two. They scored 46 points, man, against Houston. Can I tell you, you going a full disclosure on your picks, we've talked about it before. Admirable. That's awesome. I'm 100% ATL. Uh, I will say we've got a lot of new voices in the gambling space, and we're used to this stuff here in Vegas. But uh, I read a, a person who's fancied themselves a gambling expert for like the last year or so after kind of getting out of sports radio. And the person said on Twitter, the only reason Houston is going to blow the 17-point lead is because I took them minus seven and a half. I take favorites, they get backdoored. I take dogs, they get ran. I'm about done with Mark's Madness. I did this like I don't even understand this sort of content. Be a professional and like send out the message. You know what? Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you make bad picks. Sometimes you get a misread. It's not the gambling gods are blanking you. I think it's an interesting conversation to have though because the three of us obviously we pick games, we handicap games. I had several responses in person and over the phone on Saturday. Well, yeah. you're due now, or you'll win your next three. And I'm like, no, like, this is the problem. This is, this is when you can lose it mentally because three straight losses or four or five or whatever, you get this mentality, you get this invincibility, like, well, there's no way I can lose six in a row. There's no way I can lose ten in a row. And then all of a sudden you are down so much money because you're losing your patterns and you're losing your lunch because losing sucks. But until you learn how to lose and like literally step away, recalibrate, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna be in trouble if you don't do that. Yeah, no, notice Sam didn't say I lost nine games on the Sweet 16. <laughs> you play, you played three, you didn't win them. Uh, we're all I don't think I'm as strong on it as you guys are, but we're all on Southern Cal today. Why are you on Southern Cal against Gonzaga? I've just been waiting for a team with a defensive pulse and a little size and a little strength. Did you know USC number one in the nation in two point defense? They're holding opponents to 41% from two. Now, on the flip side of that, that's Gonzaga's MO. They're the number one team in two-point offense. So it's sort of a, you know, something's got to give situation. But you look at USC's front court, 6'7", 6'8", 6'10", 7'0". They win the wars in the paint. They box you out. They're physical. They grab rebounds. And they, they score in the paint, man. Three games in the tournament, USC has 112 points in the paint. That's not by accident. So they're physical. They can push people around, and I think it's that adversity, the physical adversity Gonzaga's going to have to deal with. Gonzaga's going to be fine in this game, but there's going to come a stretch when they're going to hit a rough patch, and I'm curious. I don't know if they can win by 10 or more in this game. That's a big spread to begin with, and you pay the tax on Gonzaga. We all know that. I just think this number is too high, and I finally get a team that can score inside and play good defense, and that's the recipe to beat Gonzaga or at least cover against Gonzaga. And Sam, how much do you put in stock into teams that potentially are undervalued, right? Like, a, I have kind of pegged USC as a team that's been undervalued. Only, what, seven and a half against Drake, blew them out, covered that by about eight and a half points. You know, only laying one or two against Kansas, only laying two against Oregon. This has been a team that the market, I think, has been kind of slow on. And catching nine seems like another indication that the market is kind of low on USC when they shouldn't be. 
it just none of these games have even been close for USC. Like it has none of them have really even been in doubt. I think they were up against Drake in that first game. I think they were up by fifteen. You know, like it'd be one thing if if they were down ten or down twelve at some point in this tournament, but they're that team right now, JVT. They're starting to feel themselves, and I think they they sense a little bit of disrespect against Gonzaga because Gonzaga's twenty nine and zero, and they haven't lost yet. It's you look at who Gonzaga's played, it's like Norfolk State and Oklahoma and Creighton. All those teams are allergic to defense. So uh, if there's one thing USC can do, it's put a body on somebody and box somebody out and, and maybe throw some shoulders in the paint and, and sort of be tough with Gonzaga. No team, no team has tried to go for the throat with Gonzaga. They've tried to play that up-tempo. They've tried to outshoot, outrun, outscore Gonzaga, and that doesn't work. We've seen that. 29-0 when you try and play their style. You got to make them do something they're uncomfortable, and I, I think USC can do that. What have you made of the line move? UCLA opened seven and a half point underdog, now down to six and a half against Michigan. Juan Howard's a really good coach. Did you see that he's yeah. been in five tournaments and he's been to five elite eights as a player and a coach? Gotcha. Right, like they, all he knows is is getting far. Um, you know, I've been saying that Michigan's eventually going to have that game where they miss Isaiah Livers, but they really haven't, and I think that's a testament to their depth. I think they're deeper than I realized. And for all the conversation about how weak the Big Ten has been, they were the best team in the Big Ten for the whole picture, right? Illinois got hot late, and we talked about Illinois, blah, blah, blah. But Michigan was pretty much the team that rolled the Big Ten from start to finish. And I think the way they defend is so huge because even when their shots aren't falling from three, they've got guys that can just lock you up and put you in handcuffs. And I think, look, you're going to have money on the dog, uh, at this point in time, UCLA just beat Alabama, really nice win on the money line, plus 260 or whatever. But this is a step up in competition. I mean, Michigan's better than Alabama. Michigan's probably five on a neutral against Alabama, four or five or so. So this makes sense. Uh, I just think people are reacting to that big win for UCLA. But I, I'm not sleeping on Michigan. I'm not betting against that team. Sam Panionovich, our gambling insider, Nesson, FS1. You used to be out here. Well, you're still out here often, but you are with VSIN and big news in the gambling world today is VSIN, a betting content provider, has now been scooped up by a sports book in DraftKings. Your reaction? I just wonder how how some of these things work going forward. You know, like I don't know how because I mean they, I, I watch their programming, that Rivers, that MGM, you know, points bet. I, I wonder I wonder how that all works out now going forward when you're acquired by DraftKings. Can you still talk turkey? Can we still share the sugar? These are the things I don't know. Um, but you, you tip your cap to the Musburger family. I mean, this idea was clearly a multi-million, million, million-dollar idea, and they're going to get a lot of money for this deal. It, it's a good thing that the sports betting space continues to thrive because more of this will happen. Um, but I also wonder about South Point and Circa. Like, is this DraftKings only going forward? I, I don't know. I don't think we've really heard that side of it yet. So that's the biggest question I have. How does everybody play in the same pool when DraftKings is now owning everything? Now, gambling Twitter and gambling social media can get a little ugly. There's a little bit of jealousy. There's a lot of finger pointing. And a lot of what I saw on this uh, DraftKings purchase of VSIN today on social media was, well, the programming is going to change. And uh, it's clear they can't be, you know, objective deliverers of the news. Uh, but, you know, funny enough, a lot of it came from people who uh, sell picks um, and they were, you know, pointing an accusatory finger at VSIN. It is, this is going to be fascinating to see how this content all shakes out and I'm talking about across the board in the world of gambling because in the end 
selling picks is where you make the most money, but everyone kind of looks at that like, oh, it's a dirty biz, and I don't want you accusing me of selling picks. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a fascinating conversation. And, again, I'm not, I'm not in the room with VEASAN anymore. You know, I wish those guys all the best of luck. I just wonder, you know, because SportsGrid is owned by FanDuel, and everything SportsGrid does is FanDuel, FanDuel, FanDuel. And they only talk about the okay. good that FanDuel does. You know what I'm saying? So with VEASAN now partnering up with DraftKings, does it become DraftKings only? And are we gushing over DraftKings only and not talking about anybody else? Because you have to believe DraftKings thinks this is advertising more than anything else. But I, yeah. I'm not there. I don't know. I just think it's good for business uh, when a company like that sells for millions and millions of dollars. It definitely yeah. is a good thing. I, uh, I can't see that happening unless uh, – Derek Stevens and the gone family has been bought out. So I, I don't know, maybe that's the case, but um, if you've got some ownership in the company, then I think everyone would be repped. So we'll find out. All right, we'll move along real quick here and we'll get John's comments on this. So, cause John works at Beast. No comment. Can you believe, and this happens every March, right? Hey, this is the sports schedule. MLB futures. Like it's go time now. What are we doing? I've got Atlanta. I've got them 14 and 18 to 1. I'm trying to avoid the landmines. Like, I'm trying to avoid the Dodgers. You know, like, I get the whole Padres hype train and all that, and I think that that team is going to take a leap, but I don't love the number because the value's gone. I also don't love that you, you know, have a possibility if you don't win the NL West, you get the one game playoff. And hey, there's a chance you might get Jacob DeGrom in a one off, you know? So I, I think you want to look at a team that can win a division. And I like the Braves a whole lot more than I like the Mets or the Nats or the Phillies. So the Braves, 14, 16, 18 to 1, you can still find pretty much all those numbers to win the World Series. I like them to get in, win the division, win a series or two. And if they get to the NLCS, man, you can't lose with 14, 16, 18 to 1. That's a team I think is loaded on offense. They'll get enough pitching to win the division. And once they get in, you can get creative. That's where I went, Atlanta. Sam is going to win tonight, and then he's going to win big. At the Final Four. I'm confident in that, Sam. You're going to do it. Uh, just just get me through USC, and we can tip our cap and go from there. You need one. Everybody needs that swamp buster. For me, I hope it's Andy Enfield. There you go. All right, Sam. We appreciate it, dude. All right. See you guys. You do. There he is. Sam Peniotovich. Yeah, that stuff's starting to drive me nuts, John. What's that? The whining on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Like our buddy Dave Koken. Dave does it, and it's it's funny, and Dave does the reverse jinx. And, but it's just there. Dave's done it for like 40 years. And I don't mean complaining on Twitter about picks. It's some of the people who are new to the space. And I'm saying like, you know, bad luck. And I guess some of it's funny because they're like, hey, I'm cold right now. I just, to me, if you're a, if you're a true professional in, in, in handicapping and giving out picks, you don't really need to shine a, a big light on winning or losing. Because it's all about kind of that keeping an even keel. That's how you win as a gambler by not getting, when you get all emotional to me, that's not you. But when the gambler, and especially those who are out there as, you know, uh, pros in the media. When you get all emotional, that's that just that means you're a bad gambler because I mean you're probably gambling based on getting all fired up and all over the place. Cofield got his mortgage tuned up. You should too. Call eight seven 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 hundred Nova now to lower your interest rate and lower your payments. 